Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. Hickey is here. We are going to recap easily the most chaotic weekend of the 2022 IndyCar calendar. I don't can't. I I have to look at my notes here. I don't think there's too much in the in the news front, so it'll be a largely race recap based episode and our thoughts on that. But. Are you guys melting today, or is it just Indiana? I know we're kind of like all over the country, so I'm just curious how everybody's handling their Tuesday. I mean, anytime I go, anytime we have a long weekend and I get back to boxing, yeah. it's horrible, just because I, if there's a long weekend, that usually means there's plenty yep. of beer to yep. go with that weekend, and then we, uh, so it was quite humid, but we also had family from Oklahoma in town that reminded me that our hot and humid really pales in comparison to their hot and humid so i don't know how much i'm allowed you can to complain, complain as much as you want it's humid well it's humid it's like when you guys <laughs> complain about winter it's like well really it's like me when in the summer it's like i don't feel like i'm on the same token i don't think i'm allowed to complain too much that's a good point all right it could be worse i'll give you that one frenchy um in the swamp that is the dc metro area it is uh 85 degrees but with our 70 percent humidity it feels like 94 so yeah you start sweating immediately when you walk outside. It is not humid in Indiana. I looked it up once once as you were saying that. It's only 42% humidity, but it is 100 degrees feels like 106 oh, wow. and it is it is uh it's one of those days where like the dog goes outside to go to the bathroom and then like runs back inside. So, no neither of us really like the heat, but I hope it's not like this in Iowa because that Iowa heat a couple of years ago was like massively oppressive. Followed by a storm, which is how or Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois all work. Yeah, it, it would be a shame if the last race you you know, officially cover goes out with a lightning storm again. But we haven't had one. I feel like that. Feel like it would. Kind of it would. Yeah, that's that's true. But in a dark and twisted way, it'd be kind of. The, it'd be kind of normal. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. But anyway, I hope everybody enjoyed our first episode with uh, David Malukas last week. It was super fun. Props on him for getting his first career top 10 this weekend in mid-Ohio with a ninth-place finish. But obviously the Andretti stuff is, is the big takeaway from this weekend. But before we get there... McLaren had a relatively forgettable weekend with a fuel issue on Pato's car, a engine issue on Rosenquist's car. 
if you're McLaren, are you kind of going to Chevy like, what the F, man? Like, this is, you know, two weekends in a row that Pato's race has been ruined by an engine issue. And, you know, Felix was primed for probably a top five finish and got robbed pretty early on. So, if you're McLaren, how are you feeling Tuesday evening this week? I'm feeling cursed. Uh, we always used to say that Andretti was cursed with the uh, kind of unreliability problems with <laughs> Honda. Like, they just seemed like they had that maybe last year or the past few years. But maybe it's moved over to Aero McLaren at this point. But, I mean, Eddie Andre- or Andretti is still cursed in a uh, different way that we'll get to. Yeah, I don't think it was a f- forgettable weekend. I think maybe a forgettable yeah, race. Okay. But their weekend was full of a lot of promise again on the natural road courses, which what do we got? Laguna Seca Indy. and yep. Portland Indy. Um, so I think there's still going to be a force on the natural courses at the very least. Yeah. I mean, I read paddles is more of like a fuel pickup issue. Now, given my abilities i don't know if that's chevy related not, or not. necessarily but i don't know if- it's it's a little suspicious when the engine goes back to detroit to get worked on after the road america issue and they put the car back in and it's got some sort of you know fuel pickup issue so is it a hundred percent chevy you're, you're right probably not but it's uh, it's enough to be like kind of annoyed you got like that tinfoil hat on. This this moment brought to you by Reynolds Wrap. Yeah, let's go. Reynolds Wrap, come on board. We'll go all the racing conspiracy theories you want. Sponsored sponsored part oh, two no. by Mark Urban because I know he wants to talk motorsports conspiracies. Did Ilot have a problem with Chevy too? All right, well, I- Ilot had a problem with Chevy. Tatiana was not technically Chevy. It was a gearbox thing, I think. Nah, but it was. It was yeah. just throwing a yeah, Chevy. Just throw that on Chevy too. Maybe we'll get a slander suit at the way we're going. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Chevy. We we do love you. Let's just remind let's just remind the folks who fed us on Indianapolis five hundred Honda. Morning. That may or may not, but definitely, I don't know if it's playing. A uh, it's it's not. They fed We're us. Did they feed us lunch too? It was breakfast and lunch. No, we didn't have lunch. But Honda we had feeds lunch a few other days. Yeah. Honda feeds breakfast and lunch every day. Every day at the track on the weekends they are at the track, and I am gracious for their new coffee bar and lovely food and kind hospitality and all the other nice things and chevy is a wonderful listen i got to keep the positive vibe going now chevy is so great (laughs) there miss judy is a wonderful pr person at chevy and she's like the nicest lady alive this this part is true and i don't know where else to go i drive an 05 chevy that's still running so there you go he's got a 40 year old chevy and it's still running I drive a Ford Focus and I don't love it, which is Chevy's biggest rival. So I don't know if I that's think Host has good. some words about Ford for Chevy. <laughs> My Ford Escape was a piece of garbage. So yep, yep. Did it ever did it ever just tip over? <laughs> no, but I think I got to about fourteen thousand miles on that car before the engine <laughs> gave out. So yeah, make of that what you oh, will. Neat, neat. Um, yeah, I mean, what's what else is there? I mean, we could talk about Foyt. Um, Foyt had a pretty terrible day. Uh, 25th, 26th, and Kellett. And then their their week wasn't exactly, we'll say, easy on the PR yes. front. With the will they, won't they with Rocket. Is Rocket leaving? Rocket's been late in a couple payments. Is Calderon's seat in jeopardy because of the lack of payments? 
Rocket wasn't on Kirkwood's car this weekend. So we were hoping that they would like at least do something on track. Kirkwood had a good day going until he crashed on his Quit. own. Calderon had her gearbox issues and Kellett got spun by Harvey. Not that he was banging on the door for top 10 anyways. Yeah, but at least we can say it wasn't Dalton's fault this time. But uh, quick quick Kirkwood question for you guys. I don't know if you got like a different replay at home or more replays. Did Kirkwood just go off and make contact with the wall? Because I don't, I couldn't really tell what happened from the, the on at track replay. He got a huge tank slapper, it looked like, and basically just went off through the gravel and, and hit the tire barrier there. Got it. Okay, thank you. Yeah, not... And no. not a great day. Frenchie, any um, thoughts on Floyd? I was actually thinking about this. Do we think this puts... I, I mean, are we worried that basically the if the Rocket sponsorship goes away, I assume JR doesn't drive on the ovals either, right? So that car just completely goes away. Correct. Yes. Do you remember back to the Iowa test a couple of weeks ago that we, we talked about? He was not on that testing ah. list. And he, I, so, you know, it's it's definitely – I'm hoping for the best because I would love to see JR at, at, at Iowa. I think he could, you know, pull out a, a top 12 finish for the Foyt team. But Someone write that down. Well, yeah, please don't. <laughs> But let's say someone yeah, write that please, down now. I will yeah, I'll come back okay. to that post. Kirkwood looked good though yeah, until sure. that off. So I, I mean, I thought he was going to be the shining light for Foyt once again. But it, it seems that he. I'm looking at his finishes right now, and I mean, he's got the one top ten, but everything else has been out of even the top fifteen. Yeah, so not it's great. Or even like Road America, where it seemed like he was on the right strategy and thus could sneak a top ten, and then they decided to make it a two stop for some stupid reason. With is know, this maybe why so. uh, Rocket is just like not s- interested in paying them? You think, or is it just a shady thing with Rocket? Okay, shady. Well, what do you, you? There has to be some sort of consultancy that goes into this, right? Like you're a sponsor out there. Oh, there's a series called IndyCar. Well, who could we sponsor right now? Looking at the list. Oh, well, there's AJ Foyt's name attached to this team. That has to be good, right? And it's like if you ask any IndyCar fan over the last decade if Foyt would be a team that you'd want to start out your sponsorship series with, the answer is probably no. You're not wrong, but I also know that Rocket has a immense, long history of not paying. <laughs> Williams. So Williams, <laughs> Williams is the prime example, but there are apparently multiple other examples as well. So make of that what you will so consultancy was probably not they didn't plan to pay so they didn't really have to do that much research (laughs) they were just getting free pr i guess yeah so well congrats to scott mclaughlin on the win uh that is his second of all time of the year second of the year Second of all time, second of the year, a good showing by him, kind of good, solid weekend for him after a couple, we'll say, sus results in recent memory here. So that's good for him. He's still on the cusp of that championship battle, so I think this definitely helps keep him in the frame there. Were we at all surprised that Joseph Newgarden was the lowest finishing team Penske this week? Yeah, he's usually very good at mid-Ohio, and I think it all comes down to the fact that his lap on reds in qualifying 
wasn't that good. Well, you'd say that, but power was like 25th oh, yeah. at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Third. Yes, then yes. So it's like, I get that his qualifying was not optimal, but his teammate literally came through the field and passed him and then finished third. Too short. So... I do have to say that finishing seventh and being the lowest of the three Penske's is pretty solid, and it breaks his like feast or famine that he's been having so far this season. That's true. Just like getting it home in one piece in a respectable top 10 sometimes isn't the worst thing ever. But again, just looking at his teammate success, it's kind of like, well, geez. So we'll keep our eyes on that. I mean, Toronto usually does good things for Joseph, but it's also a shit showy type track where things can just go wrong all of a sudden and your race is ruined. So we will keep our eyes on that. I don't know if you guys saw the whole Dixon was mad at race control thing. Did I, I, that, yeah. I was watching it on my way to a wedding, but I didn't get the context. I know they were doing, being very generous with throwing the yellows late to allow people to pit. Did Dixon just get like burned on one of those? Or so what? I'm going to give my opinion in here too, uh, in addition to answering your question. I don't think he got burned. I think he was about to greatly benefit and, you know, jump up to, if not the lead, like second or third, you know, he was, he was, in in prime position to gain you know three four or five spots or whatever and they kept the pits open to let the leaders circle around with kirkwood and then close the pits so after after they pitted so yes i get the frustration and there was a sizable number of fans on the social media who were unhappy with that i know shocking somebody on social media was unhappy but it's a precedent that IndyCar has set at least for the last three or four seasons now, probably. So it's not new, so we shouldn't be surprised. That being said, I don't know if I really like it. Like, First off, Kirkwood was like climbing out of his car. If you see Kirkwood climbing out of his car in any degree, you should probably just throw the yellow flag. But... Didn't he get? Didn't he start to get back in though? Like I know his safety belts were his, his safety belts were off, but it, you know, he got back in. I can kind of. I, get I it. do. It's, it's I, I like understand, but he got back in when I, I somebody on the radio was like, uh, "Sit, please sit back down." They they haven't thrown the yellow yet, so I I see what you're saying, but at the same time, I think in that situation. Because he wasn't, like, far way off in the yonder. Like, he was, you know, that, that runoff was, you know, 10 feet maybe. So I would have... What? Hang on. I got to Google that. I like your phrase, in the yonder. I mean, that's something I'm going to start saying. <laughs> in the yonder. Yeah, as I say, how much is a yonder? I let's, don't know. Let's, let's it's just at a corner here. where I feel like if somebody else had an issue, they would have easily hit him. Don't hold me to 10 feet. That's a... a yeah, I agree that you know if if something's if someone's going off in that corner, yeah. they're taking the same path that he took, unless they're right. going slower. But I think it's maybe just like, hey, there there's a local yellow here. Watch out, be cautious, and then hopefully everybody gets the hint and just makes it through that corner safe, while nobody gets screwed on the yellow. So I don't mind what race control did there at all, especially when Kirk went back. Got yeah, back it's not the, the worst, but let me ask you guys this and you know give your opinion on the whole dixon thing too 
are you happy? Are you cool with the precedent that IndyCar has set, or would you like to see it just like closed right away, no matter what? I like the randomness of it just getting closed. I mean, if a yellow happens, I feel like then, then it, I mean, you can't predict that at all. So if it screws you, then it screws you, and that's just luck. That's part of racing. So I, I kind of like the randomness, and that's probably going to get a lot of hatred uh, for that take. Yeah, I, I but, disagree. Oh, well. Probably not. Probably not. I mean, Host and I have said a lot worse. Yeah, like Iowa show. is the most boring state in America. Apparently, that's like the one of the most hateful things. <laughs> Why I've would said you repeat that? Show? Like, as it's the next or one of the next two races? Because I don't care. <laughs> There's gonna be a mob waiting for you. <laughs> I was born in Iowa, so I think my answer in the past has been as long as they're consistent with it. I guess I don't care. I do agree that the closing of the pits is hilarious exactly like the lol of people getting screwed and hearing them yell on the radio but it also kind of i wouldn't say taints it because it's definitely a strategy element to it like everybody knows that it can happen so it's better to pit on the early side of the window if you know what's going to happen but um I, i'm fine with just leaving it how it is and then you know who knows you can pull a colton herda and just not pit after giving the benefit of hey there's a yellow coming please you know, I, un- I understand, first off, you're right. Second off, I understand where the screw-up in there happened, but I didn't want to cut you off, so if you have a thought, please continue. So no. apparently there was some code word that Andretta uses <laughs> that they were supposed to use in order for Colton to pit, and Colton did not pick up on said code word and did not pit. So Andretti gonna end. Why do you need a code word when it's like, a yellow that i mean basically everyone's going to come in that's what you're expected to do why do you need to be secretive about it super secret code word to prevent i know but they would expect you to pit anyway even though everybody's i know that's that's the joke (laughs) um yeah i mean let's just get let's just get into andretti here yeah yeah and it's funny because it was all the last 30 laps it was like Things were going fine to an extent until they weren't. Herta was running top three for just about all of the day. Rossi and Grosjean were hovering around the top ten all day. And then Devlin was eighteenth checking out Jimmy Johnson's <laughs> rear wing to make sure it was still attached, or I don't know. I don't know what the fuck. But uh so we get to the point where Rossi and Grosjean make contact at the keyhole on the exit of the corner. Let me, let's yes. just take these one at a time. All right, so Rossi's on blacks, Grosjean's on reds. At the exit of the corner, Rossi starts to take to the curb as Grosjean's to his outside, forcing Grosjean off of yep. the track. What do we make of that first one? Not really not a big deal. It's aggressive driving by both guys. Probably going to say this a few times, but that's not really somewhere on the outside that you – can make a move at mid Ohio. So I wouldn't have done that if I were Grosjean, you know, when you're on better tires, a little patience goes a long way, but I don't have an issue with that one. Am I wrong in that Grosjean got forced off in the exact same spot last year at his first time at mid Ohio, like trying to do the same thing. And he ran, he ran through the grass and I, saved it. I, I, I remember, but like he should know better. I would have thought, but he seems to be one of those guys who just does the repeated aggressive I'd move without really ever, thinking about the potential consequences i can believe it i don't remember but i can believe it we'll we'll hear about it if i'm wrong 
Yeah. I think with Grosje, or I think with Rossi is could he give him more room? Yeah. Does he need to? No. Agreed. So Yeah, I I'll I'll start on the second one here cuz the second one was same move, but this time Grosjean was much further alongside of him and Rossi misses the apex by a bit, understeers into Grosjean, steering wheel gets knocked out of his hands, thus sending his car straight instead of with the curvature of the turn, forces Grosjean into the wall. Rossi's able to keep going. They both get avoidable contact penalties. So Yes, Rossi needs to hit the apex, right? No two ways about that. He shoulders some of the blame. Was it intentional? No. People claiming it online that it was intentional probably need to watch the replay again. And then with Grosjean, you just tried that move one lap earlier. Why are you trying it again? Is the keyhole on the outside really the most optimal place at Mid-Ohio to pass? Is there a lot of optimal places to pass in Mid-Ohio? Not really. Right after the but you know where's a really good place? Uh, <laughs> yeah. The turn, like, immediately after it. Yeah. With, uh, the, what yeah. is it, like, turn five? Yeah, that seems like a really good place to pass. When you're on reds, get a good corner exit, use all your push to pass, and just do it there. So, I don't know. Maybe don't try on the outside of the keyhole if it didn't work the first time. Or maybe just not at all and just set him up for turn five. I'm I'm not the racing driver, but it really seems stupid to do it twice in a row and then get really frustrated when it doesn't work. Is it just a pissing time. match between the two of them, you think, at that point? Oh, they hate each other. And, yeah, and I think he he's probably just... Yeah. Yeah, he's probably just trying to prove a point. Like, you know, you're on your way out. I'm better than you. <laughs> I have more Instagram followers than you. Watch yeah, this. It's, it's definitely a swinging contest of some appendage. But Earlobes. It's just, yes, totally. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, I, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, Alex, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that one. And then I watched the replay again. And when you watch the replay and you see... Alex's hands, he is not purposely oversteering or steering to the right. Ironically, I have a spam call coming in from Iowa right now on my cell phone. I just want to point point Let that the out. Let the hate there. calls begin. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting 
ending outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chicken flag. So, you know, he's he's not doing anything on purpose. Was he potentially a little not caring about hitting the apex because it was Grosjean? Maybe. But I don't think in in this second instance, the anger in Grosjean was semi was even semi justified. Here's a kind of hot take. Anytime that Grosjean's been angry at all this year, I don't think it's been justified. But Fair. neither here nor there. The third one, which is kind of a footnote and everything that we don't need to really touch on, is when they came back to a restart, everybody kind of accordion and Grosjean and Rossi once again made contact, and Grosjean was once again not very happy on the radio. But that's just a footnote, and I think Grosjean was allowed. There's still two more, Andretti. Okay, I'm sorry. No, I know. The way you said footnote, I thought we were moving on. No, no, I just, like, they, they yeah, made yeah. contact again. Uh, once again, in the keyhole, Grosjean broke deep, knocked Herta off the track. I mean, his, Herta's day was already to shit anyways, so it's not like it ruined it, but still not great. Uh, Grosjean did admit fault to that. Um, he did call Rossi an idiot several times yep. after the race to certain press. I think host, host was, was there. nearby host was there so good times there and then the last one was i think it was like turn seven rossi tried an ambitious inside move on devlin who was just minding his own business checking out what it's like to finish 20th and was knocked off the track by rossi in what we can describe as an ambitious move so there was a team meeting thereafter (laughs) I haven't seen you won't. anything. <laughs> you won't. Uh, yeah. No, I just like even like rumors no, or d- did a source nope. comment anything. It, it, I, uh, it'll come out one day. You, hopefully you in a very long, long time for the Andretti PR folks sake that they can get a few hours of sleep this week. But it. What, what, what do you think was said? Do you I know have, how to curse in French? <laughs> yeah, I, I think. This is, I, I, I was trying to think of how, like of a an analogy for this. I think this is one of those cases where they needed, and, and it might have been done in this. I mean, I don't know. They they weren't in there for more than two or three minutes at the most. I mean, we were Eric Smith, me, Nathan Brown, and Krista Hardy, and then one random guy appeared out of nowhere at the end. We're all on pit lane at Rossi's pit stall when he gave that post race. Uh, you answer the the TV questions for about you know two minutes, and then as we were walking away, Michael Andretti was doing his best MotoGP impression on his scooter, and just where is he? And like we all looked at each other like, oh shit! So power walking ensued back to the Andretti uh, trailers, and in that tenth of a mile walk, Michael Andretti unloaded on the team. So it was not a long conversation. So I would imagine, hopefully, they've talked more since then. But it's one of those things, to me, in that like you know couple-minute conversation, it's, it's like a locker room meeting after you know a football team or a hockey team or whatever has like a bad stretch of games, you know, a 10-game losing streak. 
and they just need to all air out their shit, get it out in the open, say whatever mean things they want to say, and then figure out a way to move forward. Not necessarily. They don't have to like each other. They're not going to like each other. But I hope that's what that couple minutes accomplished because it was still very uncomfortable after that. So, you know, right after that is when Grosjean came out. He was the only one who was willing to talk, and, you know, that's when he called Rossi an idiot and it was he was pretty fired up, and I think he would have kept going, but rightfully so, one of the Andretti PR girls pulled him away and was like, uh, you have to go into the Zapata trailer and talk. So, smart move. Rossi looked at us, said nope, and sped off in the opposite direction of everybody. No issue with that. I don't blame him at all. Colton walked away, didn't say anything. Devlin scootered away, didn't say anything. So... Yeah, it was even post race was just as chaotic as as during the race. It was really one of the more surreal IndyCar experiences I've had. I don't Fringy. know where really to start with this because is it just are they going to stop it now or is it just going to continue to get worse throughout the year? And are they going to basically have issues where more of this ensues and it just completely fractures? I, I hope that with the conversation on Sunday and any ensuing conversations this week, they're just at a point where they're like, listen, we're not going to like each other. That's fine. But we have to cut the shit. You know, we can't be running each other. We can't be making attempts that it passes where there's no place to make an attempt. Cut the radio. Stop calling each other idiots to the media. As much as I enjoy all of the social media hits and whatnot that we got after that it's probably something he shouldn't say so you know just get to that point where they can agree to disagree and keep going with life for the next was it july now so you have two months and two weeks left in the season and and then they don't have to talk some of them don't have to talk to each other again if they don't want to I don't think this rivalry is over when he leaves Andretti. No, yeah. definitely not. No, definitely not. Get worse that's what I was. Just, McLaren. That's what I was about to say. Is well, it's like it's it's like the millennial attitude when you put in yeah. your two weeks or whatever. It's like, what are they going to do? Fire me? Like he doesn't have to do anything if he wants to keep pushing Grosjean off the road. What there's there's kind of nothing stopping him really. And on the, so if you're Michael Andretti, what you shouldn't be trying to do is like. Hey Grosjean, maybe just try turn right. five next right. time, or or something. You got to control what you can because I don't think Rossi is an asset that you can control right now. If he's on his way out, if Slash he ever he's was, on his I way feel out. like he kind of does his own thing. Um, anyway. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, because as the team dynamic goes, Herta and the twenty six camp are kind of their own worst enemies. Usually, their incidents are just kind of them. Like the pit error, crashing into the wall from the lead, things like that. Um, I mean, I know Grosjean hit him, but that was not hurt his fault at all. Devlin's just uh, out there for a ride. Kind of just minding his own business when he's not wrecking people on ovals. And then Grosjean and Rossi are really the two that are going to butt heads because they don't like each other. And I think there might be a little bit of team, who's the team leader, I'm the team leader kind of thing going on and who can pull off the best pass kind of thing. So really, since you can't control Rossi for the last five, six races, whatever, you got to really kind of just sit Grosjean down and say, like, all right, let's time these a little better. Let's be a little more patient. Let's maybe just uh, let Alex have it if he's going to 
you know, exit the corner ahead of you, per se. But it would been really fun to be a fly on the wall in that room for two to three minutes. I bet they're having a, a more extensive debrief. Probably today, in I hope Indianapolis. so. Yeah. So, um, Polo finished second. Congratulations to him. Renus, P4. Dixon, P5. Erickson, good recovery after uh, below average qualifying slash. I don't know if he got blocked too, but uh, sixth. Elio. I guess eighth. <laughs> I guess congratulations. Does that pain you that he finished in the top Whatever. ten? I just don't. He's actually done better on the the like street and road courses this year than on the ovals, even though he seems to look bad a lot of the time on the ovals. Well, well road America, the, he wasn't very the good. Sample really small. I mean, the sample's really small too because Indy he finished top ten, which is double points, pretty good. And then Texas, he was blatantly taken out. So I don't know. Long Beach, he finished ninth, and that's his only other in, in the top ten finish besides Indy and Mid Ohio. We'll save. Let's let's wait till after Gateway before we confirm okay. if Elio is better on the ovals or real courses. Are you saying year. he's just bad on both? Because we only had two. Maluk. <laughs> I think he's a phenomenal yeah. indie only driver. We'll leave it at that. Uh, Malukas joins yeah, the show, then finishes in the top ten, and we know that's we know that's Woo. not down to host. So good job, Frenchie Pagano, good top ten, and then four wheels and an engine P eleven. Got to give him a shout out. So good job, four wheels and an engine. Uh, who was your driver of the day? I'm taking Will Power. Doesn't qualify well. Spins on the first lap. Effectively starts starts dead last. And, you know, he was four and a half seconds behind, I think, Jimmy Johnson by the end of the first lap. Comes home P3. So, I mean, that's a hell of a day for willpower. I'm giving it to Renus because we haven't seen really like a consistent road course finish from him except at Barber this year. So I think this is a good sign, and hopefully he's able to pull that form that we expect from him going forward. Yeah, and then other than McLaughlin, I would say Polo. Good job on, you know, didn't make the fast six, but still recovered and got back on track after an unfortunate Road America. So P2 keeps that really good podium stat for him going. Uh, so good for him. Who was the disappointment of the day? The Andretti reputation? No, you can't. Okay. Uh, Roman Grosjean for making two poor attempt, attempts at passes in spots where you can't pass at mid-Ohio. Leaving out all of the drama, just the passes themselves. I think that the disappointment of the day for me is probably probably going to be Kirkwood, because on at Mid Ohio, a place where he's done well before, and he seems to do really well on the road and street courses. I expected at least a top twenty. I would say my disappointment of the day would be probably Graham Rahal. Kind of just had a, I mean. A team as a whole is not the best right now, so just kind of disappointing in his backyard that there wasn't a better effort from the team and Lungard beat him and Harvey was run and it was Harvey on just like some weird strategy or something because he was ninth with like fifteen laps to go, but I don't think he when he or pit something. at the end of the second caution to to check for wing damage or nose damage after the the Kellett thing. And he ended up a lap down. Then the next caution came out, and he stayed out. So everybody had just pit, but he had only pit 14 laps prior. So he was kind of halfway through the cycle. So 
he stayed out and you know cycled up to to eighth or ninth before he had to pit off sequence yeah so just not the best day again for graham ray hall and the team i was kind of slightly annoyed uh social media there was a bunch of people like oh my god jimmy johnson p16 (laughs) well done well if we sit down and do the math here devlin incident rossi incident harvey incident grosjean incident kellett incident and then there's five people that didn't finish uh so jimmy beat uh simona I will say, Jimmy didn't. He didn't spin. He, so he, he didn't spin. He didn't spin. He didn't crash. So he took care of the car, which led to him finishing sixteenth. But people, I think people are on the impression that he was like going three wide in a turn five and overtaking everybody and whatever. And he kind of just didn't make a mistake and finished sixteenth. So that's the bar we're going with. Uh, I guess that's the bar we're going with. Yeah, fair. Frenchie, do you want to? Do you want to? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, besides finishing ninth and getting his first top ten, um, Mr. Malukas also destroyed both host and I in his predictions. Damn, so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, congratulations. <laughs> so, host and I somehow um, got the same average finishing positions among the three drivers we picked. Host had, let's see, you had New Garden. You also had. Who else did you have? I just had this up. I had Newgarden, oh, yeah. Blow, and Harvey. And Harvey. And so your average finishing position um, divided by the three of those was 9.7. So still a top 10, I guess. Top 10 when there's yeah, three of exactly. us. So. Um, I had <laughs> Renus, Colton, and who else did I have? I had Simon as well. And I actually got the exact same finishing position as you. With a 9.7. Yeah, suck it. And then Mr. Malukas did really well and decided to pick Erickson, Dixon, and Sato and finished with an 8.3 average finishing position. So he owned us, as an IndyCar driver probably should. But, um, yeah, well, he, he thoroughly embarrassed us. Hopefully we can get him the next time. Yeah, well, I don't think there's I'm, – I'm looking at the news here, my, my notes. There's – Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Hickey. I was listening to the episode last week. I think the one thing that was missed out on was the Rosenberg. Oh, yeah. Team. Yeah. We'll wrap up with that. So go ahead. You you give the news. We'll talk a bit. So Rosenquist was extended, what, like 2024 or something. Uh, but Zach Brown slash McLaren didn't state if it was going to be for the IndyCar program or the Formula E program. They just said that he's extended within the McLaren program which is a very ambiguous way of, in my opinion, shuffling him out the door. That's not official. Uh, that's just the hunch that myself and a couple others are getting. Uh, so Rosenquist is under contract, but we don't know at this point what that means. Do you guys want to guess what that means? And if so, on the he's out the door front... Who would be in contention? That's to take that my seat? problem with if he's leaving or not, because I don't really see a better option in the field that they can have to replace him right now. That's oh, that's available. But why are you? What's that face? You Venus. really, you really trust him more than Felix right at this there. point? He's I don't. Got, he's just... oh, okay, I, I would not I replace do. Felix for Renus at this point. Uh, he hasn't shown me enough. Oh. Yeah, I don't think Ooh, so. They Reed both has, won one Reed race and then been pretty inconsistent otherwise. Well, one of them drives for Ed Carpenter Racing. I guess that's fair, but I don't know. It's not like Pato has been 
I mean, he's been having some issues this season, and it, he's, I mean, Felix has been qualifying pretty well. I mean, his races have sucked, but it seems like stuff has been happening to him rather than his own mistake. There's been a couple where it's just like, what are you doing, Felix? There's been a couple that have been definitely out of his control, like Mid-Ohio. Um, I think the only thing that could have saved him was the Indy 500, and he, like, he did really well, and I thought, you know, maybe they'll keep him. But you look at Renus, who's, what, 22... Uh, has all the makings to be a really good driver, consistently outpaces Connor, has some funding, whether it's needed or not, I don't know. Um, and I think just the upside to him and his future looking really good versus Rosenquist has now been with Ganassi and McLaren and it's kind of waffled for a couple of years, has a couple of good performances here and there, but on the whole is kind of consistently outshone by his teammates. So I'm going to split the middle and say Rosenquist survives for 2023 and then doesn't make it past 2023. It's kind of what I think that he's going to I'd, keep the spot just while they can find someone but else. But I, yeah, I wouldn't do it for Renus either. Do you see Rosenquist finishing last amongst the group with Pato and Rossi next year? Probably, but is it last of. 15th in the standings or is it like a you know they continue their trajectory up i'm not saying they're like penske level but you know penske usually has three guys in the top let's say 12 in the standings at the worst on a bad year you know is 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 a bat is is last place for rosenquist like a 10th or something i'm gonna guess 12th i mean looking at the standings right now he's 11th VK is 15 points behind him, keeping in mind that VK crashed 30 laps into the Indy 500. So that's a, what, like 60-point swing right there? Fair. So I think Rosenquist's standing right now is a little inflated by his Indy 500 finish. Take that away. I think Renus would be last of the three of them, too, though, if you put him in that car. I don't disagree. I just think the upside to Renus's future is a lot higher currently than Rosenquist's. Is. And if you just, I mean, it's not like McLaren is the a, a retirement <laughs> destination, we'll say, given some of their driver moves of recent memory. That it, I mean, they they would have no problem just calling it quits after a year or two if it didn't work out, anyways. So, to me, it's you know, it's kind of like a what do you have to lose kind of thing. I like that entry is burning it down, anyways. Fair enough, but I, I the thing I found most interesting was the statement that Rosenquist gave. You know, that was in the on social media and and in the the press email that was like, yeah, I'm excited to be driving somewhere next year for McLaren. Like it was very like, does he even think he's going to be an IndyCar next year? Because if I were looking at that and like that was the only piece of evidence I I had, I would go, there's no chance he's in IndyCar next year. He's going to Formula E. But obviously, things can happen, and and that's not definite yet. But I would imagine by the time Nashville in five weeks rolls around, I don't think it'll stretch out much past that point. He did well in Formula E, so I can see why they would pull him over there. He finished third in that championship when they in his first year with Mahindra, and then, I mean, I think Mahindra would probably want him back if McLaren didn't already have him signed up for Formula E. So. Maybe you'll take Ricardo's seat. <laughs> Good God. Did we have anything else before Toronto? No. 
host you're not going what are you doing this weekend what am i doing this weekend well uh, yeah i'm going saturday i'm taking the dog down to cassie johnson's house and we're gonna party uh, saturday night and just relax and then sunday morning watch the f1 race before i drive back home what's up what time is it probably 10 a.m it's austria where where are they in austria i'm also i'm still not going to (laughs) toronto so that that part hasn't i thought it was this week well what am i gonna do here i was i was about ready to do yeah no no we don't need to do that Oh, shit. Well, I'm about off the podcast anyways. I'm getting a little rusty already. Is this like when you put in your two weeks notice and you like really don't give a shit? So you're just kind of like... I think so. Because I think we decided next week will yeah. probably be my last episode. You're... So um, yeah, then, you, then you can. Yeah, we can preview Toronto. You guys can do like a 15 second, hey, we'll miss you. All right. Anyways, have a heartfelt speech for But you. will we? And then... Uh, yeah. No, I don't want one. I'm not going to yeah. be a stranger, but... We don't like strangers. Don't talk to but, strangers. Uh, no. But that was it. Because then, it was, cause then yep. it's Toronto and Iowa back-to-back? Toronto, Iowa, then Indy Road Which course. I'll be, get, I'll be at. Let's then, do it. Let's get back to a race. Yeah. All right. Then, yeah, and then I'm going to be at Nashville, be, too, and okay. potentially Gateway. So, like, <laughs> three weekends almost in a row. Yeah, so busy busy stretch coming up. I will, like Hickey said, or was th- assuming, I will not be in Toronto. So I am taking a weekend off you still haven't gotten your no i have back. i i actually don't know where it is i was i was thinking about it earlier today i'm like i'm, I thought the government took I'm it not going to toronto but I wonder where my passport is and i looked a little bit i'm like oh shit i, don't, I really don't know where it is so it's probably a good thing i'm not going but we'll, we'll wrap it there i hope everybody enjoyed the race enjoy listening curious to see how the rest of this drama unfolds and silly season stuff should part should start to pick up pretty soon and yeah so everybody have a lovely weekend of racing every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer put lifelock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss plus with a u.s-based restoration specialist on your team you won't have to face drained accounts fraudulent loans or other losses from identity theft alone all backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.